0: Welcome to the podcast where heavy industrial industries meet the venture capital ecosystem, interviewing both thought leading investors and pioneering founders to better understand the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead for digital industrial innovation. Your host is Ty Finley, and this is the Heavy Hitters Podcast.
1: Dennis Muhlenberg joins us today from St. Louis. He is the chairman and CEO of NuVista Capital, a new advisory and investment firm focused on transforming aerospace and national security. Prior to launching NuVista Capital, he spent 35 years at Boeing, starting as an aerodynamics engineering intern and eventually going on to become the chairman, president, and CEO. He has also held a wide range of board and nonprofit roles, ranging from a Caterpillar board director role to member of the US-China Business Council, to university board roles at Iowa State, Northwestern and Washington University, among many other roles. And very aligned to our chat today, Dennis is also the chairman of the board for the new Advanced Manufacturing Innovation Center, St. Louis, which aims to be the leading advanced manufacturing center in the nation as it breaks ground later this year. Dennis, we've talked about this. This is a very fun full circle moment for me. I I hope you have a Diet Mountain Dew in your hand for the chat. Uh, Welcome to the heavy hitters. I appreciate you making some time to come
0: build ecosystem with us. Well, Ty, thank you very much for the invite. It's great to be with you, and yes, indeed, I have a Diet Mountain Dew in hand, so I'm ready to go. All of our old colleagues will know
1: exactly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. here. Um, Okay, great. Well, I always give my short snippet, and I I certainly cannot do justice of your introduction, Dennis, but give us just more of that color commentary on the journey, which has led you to launching New Vista Capital.
0: Yeah, Ty, well, I appreciate the opportunity to share that. You know, I've had— aerospace in my blood for, uh, for a lifetime and uh, I've always enjoyed working uh, in this industry uh, more broadly and uh, my career at Boeing is uh, is one that uh, spanned three and a half decades and one that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed and will always be grateful for and uh, throughout that time period I had the chance to work in every dimension of the Boeing company and, and see the impact, the good that we could have in the world. Uh, When I was the CEO, we we coined the phrase that uh, our purpose, our vision was to connect, protect, explore, and inspire the world through aerospace innovation. And uh, that core mission is something that's always uh, stuck with me. And uh, I think one of the highlights was I had the opportunity to be the CEO of Boeing during our centennial in 2016, 100 years after Bill Boeing founded the company. And during that centennial year, we uh, not only looked back at the first 100 years of aviation, but also looked ahead to what the next 100 years could be and uh, that excited me and it's something that we use to launch the second century of Boeing and since retiring from Boeing it's it's also been something that we use to launch new Vista as we look at those exciting opportunities ahead. Right on. Well,
1: it inspired
0: me enough. It was my
1: first job out of college. Uh, and to say the least, an amazing company in every regard. So uh, with nothing but appreciation for my time there as well. And, and so now this next chapter, help us set the stage a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit more about New, New Vista Capital generally. And, you know, the thesis is transforming aerospace and national security. Why do you remain so passionate
0: about these sectors in this next chapter? well i think this is a very exciting time in in the broader aerospace and national security realm Ty. i think it's an opportunity where uh, innovation is at an all time high and and i don't say that lightly as i mentioned earlier i had the chance to you know look back at the last 100 years of innovation in aerospace and as i look ahead to the to the next couple of decades I truly think this will be the greatest time of innovation in aerospace and national security. And and a couple of drivers behind that. One, we see some macro market trends that are very exciting, some some new mega markets that are opening up. These include things like the electrification of aviation and new power sources that are uh, greening aviation. Uh, We see the broadening of the space-based ecosystem, not only satellites and and low earth orbit, uh, earth observation, but also more broadly the space ecosystem as it relates to space-based manufacturing, space tourism, and other opportunities. So there are several macro markets like that that are evolving very quickly. And on top of that, we see a convergence of technologies happening all at once, uh, ranging from AI to cybersecurity, to uh, electrification, to uh, new advanced manufacturing techniques, to a range of technologies all converging at once. And I would offer that never in the history of aerospace and national security have we seen mega markets and the the number of very significant technological advances all converging at once. And that very fact is what uh, is really driving innovation here during the next decade. So we launched new VISTA to uh, play into that wave of innovation. And I'm excited about the difference that we're gonna be able to make in the world as we invest in companies and help them grow and adapt and and bring these technologies to market. But even beyond that, the opportunity to create economic benefit, to create jobs, to create opportunities for people and families, that's a big part of what we want to do as well. And and also the opportunity to invest directly in talent. Uh, One of the things I enjoyed the most at Boeing is what I called our people first strategy, the opportunity to invest in people. I think it's the most important investment we can make and i'm enjoying the opportunity now at new vista to mentor other up and coming ceos and i think that's all part of that next wave of innovation as well,
1: well any of uh, any of the founders are very fortunate to have you on their side and, and maybe just to scope our listeners in on um, v- venture capital is only one part of the purview of new vista capital but from a venture capital perspective any of those founders that are are wondering like check size or stage or or any general broad strokes there Dennis that
0: you're looking for yeah, let me paint that broadly, and then a little more detailed for you, Ty. We are a a multi-stage, broad portfolio uh, sort of business. So, New Vista Capital has a a SPAC arm. That's designed to help uh, take public, or excuse me, take private companies public, uh, and we've really just uh, launched a uh, next wave of our business that has a three-pronged strategy. The first is a strategic advisory role, where we come alongside companies, regardless of their stage, and help them be uh, successful, bringing them talent and uh, operational and technical and and customer connection depth. As part of our strategic advisory services. Uh, secondly, we have a, a business that's related to our own venture capital arm. Uh, we're rapidly building that up. We anticipate that'll start out as a seed round, A round uh, kind of venture capital uh, arm with uh, check sizes that might be in the five to ten to fifteen million dollar range. And then thirdly, a uh, private equity arm that's designed to invest in businesses that are more mature and in in a cash flow positive. Uh, position. So, we uh, we look forward to sort of that multi stage effort and having the agility to come alongside companies in all of those different phases.
1: Excellent. And we'll actually come back to the multi stage. Uh... Requirement in these industries, as well as um, that thesis that we talked about earlier, but but I want to really start here. Same, I've been fortunate to have you know the Jeff Elts and the Carl Basses come on the stage and and tell us about their their decision tree and and how how did Dennis transition his skill set from running one of the world's largest and most prestigious Aero and Defense corporations into venture capital and private equity asset classes? I'm sure a question a lot of folks are asking, and they asked of our last guest. So give us a little bit more about how you evaluated that transition decision and, and why you chose uh, the platform as you just broke it out um, specifically to support this emerging aero and in defense innovation as your next chapter to make a big impact how, how
0: did that how did that decision tree go? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Ty, and as I said earlier, I had uh, 35 years of uh, wonderful experience at Boeing, uh, starting on the engineering floor and then uh, uh, working my way up to the CEO position and having had the chance to work in every dimension of the company, spanning commercial airplanes to uh, fighter aircraft to helicopters to spacecraft, satellites, rockets. uh, You pick it. I had the, the chance to work on it. And uh, the breadth of that experience and uh, the breadth of the customers that we served around the world is something that I've always enjoyed. So I wanted to be able to continue to work on things that are are transformative. At, at Boeing, you know, we had the scale and the global reach uh, to do things that were truly transformative around the world. And uh, I wanted to be able to continue to invest in technologies that would have a, a transformative nature. But in this sort of uh, second career that I've launched now, I also wanted to have the opportunity to work with a broader set of companies, and uh, that's really this this structure for New Vista that that excites me the most. Uh, we've assembled a team of about thirty advisors that have deep technical and operational uh, specialties that we can uh, bring to to companies to help them be successful. And uh, now I have the opportunity to work with uh, these early stage companies that work in an incredible array and and uh, uh, an incredible. Uh, multidimensional technological space. And, and I really find that exciting because it's an opportunity to connect dots, to, to bring companies together, to create new partnerships in ways that I, I probably couldn't do uh, as much at Boeing. Um, one other thing that uh, really intrigued me while I was at Boeing, we, we launched something called Horizon X and uh, Boeing Next. And those were essentially venture arms inside of the Boeing company. And uh, I really enjoyed that dimension of the business. And so I've been able to, to build on that experience uh, now that we've launched uh, New Vista. And uh, now with New Vista, again, I, I just love the, the variety of businesses that we get to work with and the chance to connect with literally uh, dozens of leaders and up and coming CEOs and partner with them and, and talk not only about the business, but also the, the values and the, and the character that they bring to the workplace.
1: Absolutely, and and I have to ask kind of a sub question here. You, you know, you're you've been on both sides now with the the scale and the breadth of of Boeing with those innovation groups, and I engage with them all the time. Um, fantastic setups, and now you're on you know the other side of the fence, engaging with some of these earlier stage companies. You know, venture investing in some of them. Any lessons learned, or just clear aspects of differentiation you'd share with any of our other corporate innovation groups listening. We we're definitely trying to help build an an educate ecosystem and and it's rare. We've seen both sides of the table, but anything stick out dramatically to you?
0: Yeah, a a few things, Ty. And it's interesting that, you know, operating at the scale of Boeing or uh, operating with new small startup businesses, uh, obviously there's some, some vast differences in terms of complexity and scale of the business, but at the same time, there's some, some fundamentals that, uh, that are still important. That are very consistent. And I, I would say, you know, the thing I've, I've learned and relearned the most is that in the end, people are still the most important. And when I, when I look at uh, Boeing and the talent base there, investing in the people was extremely important. When I look at uh, these startup companies that I'm working with today, uh, the number one criteria that I look for in investments is a strong leader and a strong management team. Uh, the people still matter the most. And as I'm mentoring CEOs, you know, I encourage them to take personal time to invest in their teams as, as their most important priority. Uh, a few other things I think that that are very relevant and uh, you know, things I learned uh, at Boeing and have continued to, to build on in my new VISTA role is, you know it's important to be investing in areas where we, we have a large and growing addressable market. And uh, you know, that's the thing I love about investing in aerospace and national security. It, it's a marketplace that is large and rapidly growing at the leading edge of technology and a place that really makes a different difference in the world. Uh, things like uh, technology differentiation and and a competitive moat, right? They matter no matter what scale uh, you're at. Um, being clear-eyed about risk is, is really important. And yeah, you know, this is a, a balance for many of the startup companies that I talk to that uh, you know they they have. Uh, aggressive growth uh, desires and you know often very high expectations visionary expectations for their business which I love but at the same time that needs to be balanced with really clear eyes around risk and and how you mitigate those risks and then uh, lastly I'd say that uh, you know culture and values uh, really matter and you know the the joy of the aerospace and national security uh, domain is is that we get to work on things that really matter and things that uh, people's lives literally depend on. And the fact that uh, that's the case demands that we have a real sense of integrity and uh, character and excellence in how we do our work. And that applies whether you're at Boeing or one of these uh, startup companies that I'm working with today. That foundation of values and, and recognizing that people's lives depend on what you do is so important. And so I, I really emphasize that uh, that foundation around integrity and uh, culture and values of the company.
1: Love it. So much translates, regardless of 100,000 or, or 10 people on the team. Couldn't agree with you more. So maybe pushing us forward here. Let, let's come back to the core NuVista thesis around transforming aerospace and national security, which both obviously overlap and complement each other in many ways. Um, clearly, there is a growing interest in the VC community for this thesis. I think the PitchBook 2022 data outlining seven billion was invested in U.S. aerospace and defense companies in 2022, which is a dramatic rise given only five years earlier in 2018. The data said there was only about a billion dollars invested in these same sectors, and so. You compound that increased deal and in dollar volume Kager with numerous VC funds now really plowing into this same thesis you have on, you know, both ends of the spectrum, the incumbents like the Lux Capitals, uh, Andreessen has the new American Dynism Fund, 8VC, et cetera. And then you got a whole lot of new entrants with deep defense roots on the team jumping in, such as New Vista Capital or Razor's Egg Ventures and Shield Capital, et cetera. So... Obviously, the, the general VC ecosystem was an absolute tear 2019 to 2022. Capital markets were were flowing. But there is much more to the story here than just capital markets in their heydays. So why do you think venture investing in these sectors has accelerated that dramatically in the last five years alone? And do you think it's a trend that's here to stay?
0: Yeah, great great question, uh, Ty. And I think you've outlined the market condition very well. And and uh, you know i've seen that same incredible strength and growth uh, broadly in in the venture market and the investment uh, market around aerospace and national security over the last 5 years and admittedly you know the last year as we know has has been very tough it's it's a difficult market out there at the moment but even in the midst of this difficult market if i take a look at the at the aerospace and national security sector it continues to be very robust and i am uh, i'm continually amazed and pleased i'll say with how we just see an unwavering flow of innovation in the aerospace and national security sector, despite the challenges that we see in the market right now. And so I I maintain the long-term view here. I I think the the underlying strength that you've seen as the macro trend over the last five years in terms of investment, um, that will see us through what I would see as a a bit of a flattening market right at the moment. Uh, I I anticipate that we're going to continue down this long-term higher growth trend for overall investment in this arena. And I think, you know, for a couple of reasons, again, one, aerospace and national security is something that really drives uh, the opportunity to benefit people around the globe. As I said earlier, this this theme of connect, protect, explore, and inspire the world, uh, those are meaningful missions. And those are things that are have uh, enduring capacity to them and and that kind of mission is something that will draw capital over the long run and I think a lot of people are coming to realize that you know investing in aerospace and defense and uh, national security is is a long investment play in many cases you know these companies and and products are long cycle products they typically involve uh, hardware there or hardware plus software rather than software alone uh, they typically have you know more challenging regulatory environments or certification environments around those. All of those make it a higher barrier to entry, but it also makes it a much more valuable prod, uh, product and a, a much more valuable investment once you overcome those barriers. And then uh, you pair that up with these converging technologies that I talked about earlier, uh, spanning from AI to cyber, to space, to electrification, to new hydrogen fuels, to hypersonics, you pick it. These uh, these technology trends that are converging are right at the heart of aerospace and national security. And I think that's going to drive continued investment as well.
1: And and I'm just curious, um, I want to ask about downstream capital, but I also want to, you mentioned people a few times. It, it always comes back to the people. The talent that's coming into these sectors, Dennis, have you seen any trends or pockets where talent's migrating in from, because it's it, it seems like it's evident. In order for all this capital to flow into these sectors, it's because the right talent is is there to take on these challenges. Are are you seeing any any talent trends that are coming in?
0: Well, I, I see uh, a number of tr- of trends that I think are important. One, I see growing interest uh, globally in in STEM career fields. Uh, frankly, we're still we're still short on talent, right? It's, so it's mm-hmm. one of the things I'm spending a lot of time on is is working with universities. Uh, you know, in addition to my New Vista Capital job, I I do a lot of work with nonprofits and universities to try to assist in building this STEM uh, talent pipeline for the future. And even though we're we're seeing a lot of success there in terms of ramping up that pipeline, the the need continues to outrun the availability. So I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges of our industry is just continuing to build the diverse talent base we need in these STEM career fields. Um, this is certainly a, a global industry. Um, it's also one that involves a lot of uh, of manufacturing. And uh, it's one of the things I, I love about the, the aerospace and national security industry is that it involves building real things, right? And I think to a degree, you know, not only in the U.S., but more broadly. Um, you know, manufacturing skills have have waned a bit over the over the last uh, decade, as as more uh, students have pursued, uh, I'll say, software-based careers. And certainly, those are valuable products. But we need more talent that has the capacity to to build hardware, to build integrated hardware software systems, and actually, you know, build products that that fly and and uh, and go out into space. So. There, there are a lot of challenges in the talent arena, uh, but I, I think because of the boldness and the bigness of the missions that we pursue, you know, it certainly attracts a lot of young people to these career fields.
1: Yep, without question. And, and then back to the point of growth capital, the um – you know, the downstream capital and Vista obviously has a mandate that seems like it can go into the later stages of funding, larger checks. Um, it's imperative for often you you call them deep tech and or more slow burn commercial ramp startups in the aero and defense sectors. They do require a lot of cash to hit scale, right? We could just use the SpaceX, Androal and Skydio as you know, kind of three of the more well-known examples per se how do you feel as capital markets have shifted about the access to growth capital that's now we've seeded all these companies, but you know, is the is the market conditions changing? Is it going to affect it or, or where do we get that growth capital from?
0: Yeah, again, I, I'd say tactically right now that the market is more difficult than it was a year ago. Uh, that said, I, I don't think that's a, a long-term difficulty. I, I think uh, you're going to continue to see uh capital flowing into the aerospace and national security sectors in a meaningful way across all stages what what i'm seeing now today is is there's still very solid capital availability for early stage and venture i also see a, a lot of capital available for mature businesses that are you know later in their growth stage have either reached cash flow positive or very nearly have reached it and and capital access there is, is very strong. I, I think the most challenging point right now is sort of Series C mid-stage companies that are in that transition period where they might be you know, in the middle of, of system certification, just wrapping up development, getting ready to scale up for production, maybe still a year or two away from cash flow positive. That that's the more difficult stage at the moment in terms of capital access. Uh, but I, I, again, I believe that in the long term, uh, we're going to see capital flowing through uh, through all of those stages. And uh, one of the important things we're doing at New Vista right now is is helping companies make that leap from you know early stage to to being a mature business that's ready to go public, and helping them span that gap. Absolutely,
1: uh, invaluable resource to have on their side as they span the gap for sure. Um, well, then maybe moving us forward another step here. And Dennis, you mentioned this about getting our manufacturing uh, game together, as I'll use my words. And you know, given you have a rare global purview about all of this, I want to hit on this discussion about U.S. competitiveness when it comes to advanced industrial innovation generally. And so aligned to that, one of the current topics of the day is clearly U.S. and China vying for advanced manufacturing prowess over the next decade plus. Uh, understatement, you've had a front row seat to see this with both Boeing and your time on the U.S.-China Business Council. So from the U.S. vantage point, uh, we've previously kicked off the, the focal Manufacturing USA policy, and it had its associated national network of manufacturing innovation facilities spread out all across the country in order to to drive this digital industrial agenda. I know I was in Chicago. I saw the, the DMDII when it was being set up. And even now, we've got new U.S. policy efforts around. Last year, we saw the supply chain resiliency executive order from the Biden administration, and and we have a hope that there's going to be a new federal Office of Manufacturing um they will have a chief manufacturing officer associated to it and then even your new work Dennis with the grant st louis one to stand up the advanced manufacturing innovation center we mentioned earlier all of that wrapped up is only furthering the efforts that we've we've had underway and then on the other side of the world china is clearly not doing uh, anything but accelerating their own efforts via their state led made in china 2025 industrial policy so all that build up, my question is, how do you think we're doing in this U.S. Uh, revitalization of manufacturing and building up the right ecosystem to maintain our advanced manufacturing uh, leadership? And then any thoughts you think on how we could we b- be bolder and, and faster to to accelerate those efforts domestically as we watch revitalization manufacturing happening faster than ever?
0: Yeah, Ty, hey, great question and great topic. I'd say this is one of the greatest challenges and in- perhaps one of the greatest opportunities facing the United States right now. Uh, I think over the last uh, couple of decades, unfortunately, uh, we've uh, let some of our manufacturing capacity wither or uh, or go overseas. You know, I, I can tell you when I was at Boeing, it was one of the most important things to us was to maintain our US manufacturing base. We were the, the country's largest manufacturing exporter uh, while I was CEO. And, and that was something that uh, we thought was very, very important from a long, Term strategic uh, competitiveness you know, standpoint, and uh, this is a fundamentally important topic for our country. Uh, again, when you think about long-term uh, strategic competitiveness at the at the national level, and and what it means to not only national security but more broadly uh, economic benefit to the country and and economic vitality of the country. Uh, manufacturing is so so important to that. So I, I think it's very important that we build and where necessary rebuild the manufacturing capacity of our country. I'm I'm very pleased to see the the various initiatives that you uh, ran through earlier. Uh, I think those are excellent starts. Um I can tell you I'm I'm very excited about the work we're doing at the new Advanced Manufacturing Innovation Center in St. Louis. A few months ago we were one of the few winners of the uh, Build Back Better Regional Challenge. Uh, proposals, which was a a federal uh, program that provided some additional funding uh, for the facility. We're standing up in St. Louis and um, now is now is the time to do it again. We see a a technology revolution happening in advanced manufacturing all the way from new automation and robotic techniques to new material systems, nanomaterials, additive manufacturing. Uh, The manufacturing jobs of tomorrow are vastly different than the manufacturing jobs of yesterday. And uh, what we're doing that I th- I think is unique in our St. Louis facility, and perhaps a template for what we could do more broadly in the country, is uh, we're we're investing in manufacturing capabilities. That uh, not only develop the talent, but also do advanced R and D to drive the technology edge, and also building prototyping capacity that'll help industries take advantage of new technologies and turn them into value-added products that can turn into new spin-off businesses and expanded supply chains. I think that's fundamentally important for the U.S. And then we're also investing in manufacturing that plays into some of these big technology areas that I mentioned earlier, whether it's aerospace or geospatial technology or biomedical technology, as examples, we're developing manufacturing capability that spans across those verticals. And I think our country uh, needs that. And and lastly, I'll mention uh, from an economic security standpoint, there's no better investment than investing in manufacturing. Manufacturing jobs create the greatest economic ripple effect of any type of job you can imagine, and study after study has proven that. And so I think to revitalize our economy here at home, uh, we really need to rebuild that manufacturing capacity and and develop the, the workforce, the talent to take on those manufacturing jobs of the future.
1: Yeah. Well, we're, we're waving the flag right there with you. And I'll I'll definitely be linking the new St. Louis uh, facility in the comments. And it is amazing, right? All the efforts that are now popping up. um, You mentioned the word rebuild. You now have Jeff Wilkie, former number two at Amazon. He's got his new organization, Rebuild Manufacturing, same mandate that we're talking about here. Eric Schmidt's now stood up the special competitive studies project where they have an advanced manufacturing focus. So it's, it's, clearly uh, a mission-critical topic, and uh, I am watching the right signals and the right talent flock to solve these big problems. So, I'm excited for it, Dennis.
0: Um, yeah, bringing all of those constituencies together are really important. I've had a couple of conversations with uh, Jeff, in fact, and and yeah, they're, they're a coalition of, of of people who are very interested in this topic, and I think if we can continue to convene and build that coalition across the country, we can really move the needle. Absolutely, without question.
1: Well, Dennis, you know, we always like to get this show at, at one point closer to the end, bring it back to those folks who are in the arena, really putting the work in day to day to drive some of this innovation. So, what what words of wisdom would you have for those founders out there who are thinking about, you know, approaching New Vista either as an advisor or capital partner? And and we always love to split it between any any keys to success as they start on those journeys in these sectors and or common challenges to avoid right out the get gate.
0: Yeah, well, I'll go back to some points I mentioned earlier and uh, the importance of investing in people and uh, founders. You know, my my first piece of advice to them is to is to know who they are, right? Re- really know uh, who they are as an individual, what they're about, what their purpose is, and be very very purposeful uh, in their work. And um, secondly, to to invest in their people. Uh, that people first strategy that I talked about. It's a, a really important part of, uh, of loving and serving those around us and, and investing in people, and then uh, bringing a, su- a strong set of foundational values to the workplace and uh, this uh, focus on integrity and, and excellence in how we do our work. Though, those sound like simple things, but those simple fundamentals are extremely important to business success and, and something that I encourage founders to be very, uh, very thoughtful about. Um, I also think it's it's important for founders to you know have a real sense of humility and and to be genuine in, in their work and it's uh, it's important to be visionary, but at the same time to be humble about it because you know in in these startup businesses you're going to run into challenges and things aren't going to go perfectly and so the ability to to have uh, humility as a leader uh, to be resilient to learn from failures and to, uh, to continue marching forward is is fundamentally important. And um, you know those are all characteristics that I look for in a in a management team and in a leader for some of these startup businesses. Right
1: on, great advice. Okay, a little quick hitter section. We we always end on a little Q and A. So if you're ready, Dennis, we'll jump in. Okay. Okay. All right. You can only pick one thing. But what is the number one thing you're looking for when you're evaluating a founder to be successful in this ecosystem?
0: Integrity and character.
1: Stayed true to it throughout the podcast. I love it. All right. So, what what is one resource? It could be book, podcast, blog, whatever you'd recommend in our audience to help them follow along in the ecosystem and get get ramped up.
0: Well, Ty, this was a little different. There's so many, so much great material out there. So I, instead of singling one of those out, I'm I'm going to go a little outside the normal zone Let's and say, do it. for me, for me, the most important book here is the Bible. I uh, it's it's a book that's full of wisdom for life. And uh, it's one that uh, I've depended on and and uh, bringing my faith to work is an important part of what I do. So uh, that's my highest recommendation.
1: Hey, as someone who grew up on the book of Proverbs, we've had this discussion, Dennis, I'm I'm right there with you. A uh, great resource. I'll, we'll leave it at that for sure.
0: Uh, and then finally, maybe one person who should be on the podcast. Well, that's a great question, Ty. And I, I, I again, struggle to, to select one person out of the plethora of people I know. I think finding people with a a passion for the business and passion for investing in others is most important. So uh, I'd be happy to give you a recommendation list here. Right on. Well, I got Jeff Wilkie. I'm working
1: on him. So let's work on him together, Dennis. He needs to tell the rebuild (laughs) manufacturing story. So um,
0: that's good. That's a good candidate right off the top there.
1: Love what they're up to. And finally, you know, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you, Dennis?
0: Well, uh, head over to our New Vista website, New Vista Capital dot com, and uh, we've got contact information there, and uh, anybody interested in uh, seeing what we're up to and or you know finding an opportunity to potentially partner, I'd welcome your contact. Awesome. Well, again,
1: a very special day for me. It was great to have you on and and really appreciate you jumping back in to to build ecosystem alongside us. And uh, we got a lot of work ahead of us, but as we talked about mission critical, we we've got to get this right. So uh, can't wait to work to find more stuff with you.
0: Right on, Ty. It's great talking with you again. And and thank you for what you're doing here with your podcast and the way you're bringing people together and, and bringing this community together. You're adding a lot of value. So thank you. It's a pleasure to join you.